Welcome to the Movie Heaven, Movie Hell podcast extra. Now, uh, if you listened to the last podcast extra where we were talking about our first short films, you would have heard Keith talk about the fact that he directed a feature film, which to me is complete surprise because it's not on his filmography. Uh, so um, I asked Keith if he was willing to talk about it, and uh, he's agreed to do it. So, um, Keith, yeah, well, um, why not? It's it's next in the chronology of my memoirs that we're recording here, isn't it? So <laughs> uh, you're right, though. I I don't. It's not something that I make um, particularly common knowledge in terms of it doesn't come up uh, often when I'm talking about you know my films and my filmmaking simply because sadly um there isn't a finished product uh which is which is a true but I, i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say this now you made a feature film yes and whatever happened it wasn't your fault that it didn't get released yeah well i mean you, you know it's all about lessons learned and whatever so um basically what 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 had happened was um we'd obviously talked about this is when I still lived in the United States and this was before I moved to Los Angeles. So this was when I was still in Florida. Um, you know, I'd finished the film program. Uh, I was doing a internship, uh, over at, um, Vaughan broadcast, which was part of Chapman Leonard studios. Uh, I was also working, um, part-time for the college as well. Uh, you know, as a, sort of assistant on films and truck driver and, you know, all round good guy, obviously. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was that kind of period where I'd graduated. Um, the official work p permit had not come through yet. It took about six, six to eight months for that to materialize. It's just, you know, the paperwork of the whole thing. And yeah. uh, I was sort of in limbo and, and, you know, obviously I jumped on the opportunity to direct uh, my first short film, which was Overpass, which we talked about last time that I, that I managed to shoot on film. Um, I'd also produced a short film for a friend of mine uh, at the film school called The Wheelchair People, um, which we shot using uh, 35 mil uh, short ends, which I think we talked a little bit about what that is on a previous podcast so I won't go there um so I've been doing a bit of that and um what happened was uh Ralph Clemente the great Ralph Clemente I'm always talking about who's now the late Ralph Clemente unfortunately um when he ran the the, the, the film program as I said we, we would work on a number of shorts and a number of features throughout a year and um it was usually two to three feature films a year and uh maybe three or four shorts it was so it was, it was fairly full-on a fairly packed schedule and often um ralph would get industry professionals involved in these so over the years before i went on the program they'd work with the likes of robert weiss and um uh george romero uh had come in as sort of guest directors um one of the features that I worked on uh, very early with Valencia was a film called The First of May, which starred again now, sadly, or, or late um, people who have died since. But it starred uh, uh, Julie Harris, who was a, a Tony Award winning actress that had appeared in in The Haunting and appeared alongside um, 
James Dean in East of Eden and whatever. I got the, the pleasure to work with her. Oh, okay. Um, Charles Nelson Riley, Mickey Rooney. You, you know, you know some 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 fairly decent and impressive names of, of, of as I said, actors from the the golden era that are no longer with us. Um, but anyway, um, so the summer after I'd graduated was coming. So this was the the the, the same the same group of um, students that had helped me on overpass and what happened was uh i think the summer film that they had booked for for whatever reason through money or scheduling or something didn't happen um you, you know there was a gap in the schedule and what happened is i was racking my brain trying to remember where i found out about this um but there was there there was a group of uh, students at a uh, again I want to get my facts right but I think it was it was another university um, it may have been in Gainesville uh, another part of Florida that were looking for a director uh, to direct a feature film okay and I thought ah sod it why not. And I applied for it, and obviously I sent a copy of Overpass as a, um, uh, you, you know, a sort of demo reel, if you like, to show what I'd previously done. Um, and these guys agreed to, to to a meeting with me, so I, I drove down to to see them. And um, it was it, they were basically there was eight of them, four guys and four girls, uh, all much younger than me. They 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 were. They were still teenagers or, or very early 20s. I think the oldest one might have been about 21 or 22, but the youngest was probably 18 or 19. Right. And they were uh, students of uh, literature and performance. So they were essentially, they were actors, but they were writers as well. And, um, you know, I think it's fair to say... Um, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm out of order to say this, but I think they were all... Uh, from fairly reasonably privileged backgrounds, okay? No, you're not out of order for saying that. I think uh, I think most people agree that uh, people who can afford, you know, acting school and film school, on most part, do come from affluence. Yes. Not parents. all of us, though, Simon. No, not all. No, no, I know <laughs> not, not everybody. But it's it, it's one of these things where to survive it helps to have you know rich parents because there's a lot of time when you're not working and if in order to sort of you know progress in this industry you you do need to be available at you know at short notice which a lot of jobs that people do won't allow yes no absolutely um so i, so I met with them and basically they they had written this this feature long script which was essentially a load of vignettes um about various teenage angst it was a coming of age story right. and it was called they called it the everyday and the reason they called it the everyday was these students would all meet and hang out in a cafe called the everyday cafe all right and right. There, as i said there were a number of characters um that they played um, which uh, dealt with all sorts of issues, um, you know, coming of age issues, life about, um, 
relationship issues, um, you, you know, all of, all of the usual things. And there was there was also a a part of the plot dealt with the the subject of date rape. Okay, so it was you know there, there was something there, and, and I you know they were very enthusiastic, and I met them, and 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 they asked me a lot of questions, and you know I I'd obviously read this script before I went there. And and I had lots of questions for them. And um, what what happened is they wanted to make uh, this into a feature. And I I don't know, you know. Again, it's easy to look back now and point fingers and say, was this a vanity project? Um, I, I I don't know whether it was or not from their point of view. But basically, they wanted to make this film. Uh, the stipulation was that they were going to star in this film, and it was the film that they'd written. They were going to be writers, producers, and actors of this film. Okay. Oh, okay. And they had some money um, between them available for this. Not not a massive amount, but some. I, I I honestly I'm not good with budgets and stuff, and I can't remember the the overall figure off the top of my head. But I I think I would be somewhere in the ballpark if I said around collectively around probably ten thousand dollars okay okay which which is you know what isn't a lot of money when we're talking about you know film production as you well know uh, especially yeah. at that time <laughs> so um you know they were looking for a director they wanted they wanted this they wanted it to be a very much a creative collaboration so you know they were very they they were very attached to the material because they'd written it uh, they were very attached to the characters that they were going to play. And, you know, it was originally done as a stage play that they they decided to adapt into a screenplay and make it into a film. And I said to them, well, we OK, I was very blunt with them. I said, OK, this is extremely wordy, guys. You know, um, films are about, you know, vision um you know what you see uh, obviously what you hear is important as well but this was a series essentially a, a series of monologues and duologues and i was like you know oh, right. how, how the hell am i going to make this work on on, on <laughs> film right but i'll be honest i was i was hungry at the time i just directed a, a short and yeah i had a bit of time to kill before uh my my official work permit was coming through and i thought to myself Wow, wouldn't this be a great opportunity to jump straight into directing a feature? So um, I'd come up with an idea about it, which, uh, you know, at the time was probably a little bit more unusual than it is saying it now. Uh, oh, God, scarily, you know, 18, 19 years later or whatever it is. Uh, well, where are we? This was 99, 1999. Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh God, I feel old when I say that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, you, you know, I, I was I was young then, and it was it was an opportunity. And I thought, um, what can I do with this? So what I decided was we would film something where the camera would move a lot. Okay, in fact, the camera would virtually not stop moving, right. and it would move in and around these uh, duologues, etc. Um, but also that I would do something which, you know, people have various um, thoughts about in, in film. But uh, I would, as a stylistic thing for this, break the fourth wall. So I would have, when it came to their monologues, yeah, 
I would have them looking into a mirror, talking to themselves, um, you, you, you know, doing doing various um, tricks or whatever to try and, you know, it brings it outside of reality, but at the same time, you, you know, um, break 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 some rules, but still keep it within reality to an extent. Yeah, I made monologue triptych, which is free monologues. Oh, I've not seen that. Okay, have you not seen Primero, Segundo, and Tercero? No, I need to watch this. Is this on your site? Yes, they are on my site. Oh, blimey! How, what kind of co-host am I that I haven't seen all your work? <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Well, this is the films with Benjamin Green. Uh, the first one's usually referred to as the carrot film because he's chopping up carrots. Right. But the thing is, he talks to the camera. He breaks the fourth wall. The audience is a character within the film because he is always talking to them. Right. So, yeah, I've I've done something similar because um, I've never been a big fan of monologues. Yeah. Um, I remember the stuff that used to be on TV. Yeah. And I used to hate it. Oh, I fucking hated it. Uh, so when I was given these scripts by Ben Woodywis, I, I really liked them uh, because they were, you know, the, the dialogue was really good. And so, you know, I decided to do it, but I wanted to do it in a way where the person wasn't sort of just sitting down and talking to the camera or something. You know, it wasn't static, mm. it was movement. Well, it's, it's, this is exactly what I what, what my idea, yeah. if you like, my vision or whatever with this was. I was like, I need to I need to try and make this. The script is what it is. You know, I hadn't written this. Um, you, you know, it, it, the deal was that the script, you know, and they came with it essentially. And I thought, well, you know, right. it's an opportunity. So... Um, I'm going to see how I can make this work. All right. Now it transpired from the conversations that we had and, and you have to remember, I'm obviously condensing sort of months yes. of stuff here into uh, yeah. of something that happened, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was in, into this. So I, I, I'm, I'm condensing and whatever here, but essentially um, during the conversations, I, I sort of pitched my idea, my vision, how I saw it. Um, and I said to them, let me see, let me go and talk to Valencia and see whether Ralph would be interested in doing this through the film school. Because if you did this through the film school, you would get equipment, you would get uh, crew students, you know, as long as they're learning, as long as, you know, they've got proper roles and whatever. And um, you, you would get a lot of bang for your buck in terms of that. And I told them, but, you know, you would be responsible for, um, you know, the, the, the feeding of the, the crew, uh, you know, any, any, any permits or, or locations that we'd have to pay for. Um, and obviously all of the post-production, et cetera, of the film would be, would be down to you guys. Yeah, but, um, but you'd get this in terms of the production. Right. And they were quite excited by this. And it transpired that one of the one of the um, daughters, uh, one, sorry, one of the daughters, one of the girls in it, her, her dad was a, um, a DOP that had worked. OK. Uh, not not too much in drama, not not much to do with film and television, but certainly to do with commercials and, um, you know, corporate videos and, and, and you know, you know, he had quite a lot of experience. Okay. Yeah. And it was, well, if, if, 
if he came on as a DOP, you know, this would be an opportunity for him to do some drama stuff. And, you know, he knew his craft. I, I'd seen his show reel and, 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 you, you know, that seemed good. And I thought, well, there's, there's someone else that will sort of come on for the love of it rather than, you know, a job or, or having to pay or whatever, you know, cause it's, it's this guy's, this, this girl's father Smart, and whatever. Yeah. So, so that kind of rounded the package off a little bit more. So I thought, okay, the, the next thing I need to do now is go back and talk to Ralph. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I got on well with with Ralph, as as I said, and and obviously we'd we'd done Overpass, which he had seen finished, uh, which was unusual, by the way. Uh, let me just sort of point out. Sadly, many of these films that I worked on, particularly the shorts, um, yeah, I never ever saw because you have to remember the, these these were days things were shot on film. Film, as we've already covered, in fact, we've already done to death, is very expensive in the post-production to actually get um, processed and transferred and, and finished and all this sort of thing. So many of the, the films that Valencia had, had, had done the production on, often the, the filmmakers would disappear never to be seen again. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You, you know, and Ralph had very little control over, over, over that. But with, with the case of... Um, uh, overpass. I managed to get it turned around, sort of within two or three months of, of of shooting it, so that all the students got a copy and saw the film, and we had a screening, and you, you know all of that sort of stuff. So, so I was I was sort of on the right foot as far as well. I'm a guy that will finish what I start, sort of thing. Yeah. So I went yeah. to Ralph and I I sort of pitched this to him. I said, look, you know, you've got a gap in the summer program. I've already worked with this crew you know, we got on quite well, this is an opportunity, you know, do you want to meet these guys, um, blah, blah, blah. And he did, you know, we, we got them in for a meeting. And to cut a long story short, uh, after much toing and froing and whatever, it was decided that this was going to be that summer's feature um, that I was going to direct, uh, that we were going to use the crew um, that we'd used on overpass, although many of them were in different crew positions and roles for this particular uh, film, that uh, the girl's father was going to come on as, as DOP. Um, and what had happened was, obviously, you know, the film side was expensive, particularly with what I was trying to, um, to achieve. And yeah. this was, and I, and I was on the Sony website trying for the life of me, because even though I could remember my film stock and whatever from Overpass, I was trying to remember the format. Basically, Valencia just invested in two, you know, quality, broadcast quality, um, digital cameras. Okay. They right. they were it wasn't digi beta or anything like that. It was it was aimed at Was it HD? I think it was yeah, I think it was um the larger format tape of do you remember when like mini DV came out? Well yeah. this was Oh DV Cam. I think it might have been DV Cam. I was trying DV to remember cam, yeah. the exact bloody model and whatever, but basically yeah. they had invested in, in two of these cameras and what this meant was um you, you know, uh, obviously, budget-wise, you know, they weren't going to blow the budget in terms of trying to afford film and trying to to make this no. feature, which was you know quite complicated because of what we wanted to try and do. 
on film and it was it was an opportunity to try out this technology and you know what the way i looked at it it directing was directing yeah yeah and uh i was happy with that so i was like okay um this was before this wasn't a solid state or a hard drive medium it was it was a tape medium okay yeah. a digital tape medium and obviously we'd already um about a year earlier moved from nagra over to dat on the on the audio side of things yeah so what we decided to do we crewed it up um we were going to do some of it just because of the amount of uh, of coverage and characters some of the film was going to be done multi-camera right now again i'm a little bit old school i kind of like the idea of designing each individual shot and shooting single camera although yep. there are a lot of you know um benefits uh you know there's pros and cons to both but there are some benefits yeah. to a multi-camera it can certainly help in the edit and post-production when trying to sort of sync performances up i want to say i mean just while we're on that subject yeah. um I I have the experience of working on like single and multicam shoots. At the end of the day, they do say yes, you can capture several performances at the same time with multicam. But I've always find the footage that they produce uninteresting. Mm. It's really difficult to do coverage with multicam. You know where it's interesting because yeah. you know you, you what you end up having to do is having to light for two cameras yeah. and then also have to um angle each camera so they don't see yeah each no other. i agree and and which actually leads me really nicely into what i decided to do because what i wanted to do as i mentioned i wanted to have this with the camera moving a lot and i thought you know to try and do that multi-camera is going to be a fucking nightmare because you're going to end up seeing the other camera you know it's going to restrict us for lights it's going to do you know do all these things so what i ended up doing um obviously you know the good thing about having two cameras with the college was it kept because everybody in the it, all the students wanted to be on in camera always you know if ever you, you know nobody really wanted to do sound or grip or electric or, or production oh, okay, they all wanted to do camera so this way we were able to have two camera crews yeah but yeah. what i decided to do it was almost like making it a second unit camera in some respects is i decided to mainly shoot one camera but i yeah. have the other guys maybe getting something odd or interesting from an angle without disturbing what i was trying to do with the main camera if that if that makes oh, sense. okay i see so you, you were trying so they were doing like pickup kind shots. of i mean they weren't they weren't off like on another area of location or anything yeah but so why, why i say pickup shots so you know you would be filming them doing their monologue yeah. or dual log and this crew would be capturing like, you know, maybe like a hand movement exactly. or a close up of their face exactly. or you know, something that they could capture that wasn't interfering with the, the main shift. And I would tell that second camera crew, you know, if you end up catching crew or, or the other camera or whatever, 
it doesn't matter as long as the main camera isn't catching you. So in other words, yeah. I was getting everything I needed from the main camera, but I could go through all of this footage and maybe find something quite interesting to, to cut in. And of course they love that because it meant that that camera operator could be a little bit creative and play around. I mean, mm. within guidelines that I was setting uh, him or her. Um, but, 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 you know, um, it was just kind of an idea to sort of kill two birds with one stone. And um, so, so that was what we were going to do. Um, we crewed it up. Uh, I managed to get a guy that um, that also worked at the college in the theatre department, who was who was quite a um, a positive chap. Decided that he was happy to take on the production manager role and control the budget that they had and kind of do all of that work, which I was delighted at because I didn't really want to be involved in that i wanted to get on and do the directing job and just have the directing hat on in this well i have to say i i mean personally speaking about my feature film i was very glad that i had sam price on board because um having to do all that production management work on my own as well as directing and producing the film would have been a nightmare yeah. so i was i was very happy to have sam on board no absolutely so yeah i know where you're coming from it's it's, it's very important i think a lot of people overlooked that i mean with a short film yeah you can get away with not having a production manager because you might be shooting for one or two days but when you're shooting a feature film that's maybe you know three weeks um you need somebody like that so how long did you shoot right for? okay well this was the thing we had um we had a little bit of prep, but not loads. I mean, obviously not, you know, the, the rule of thumb is always, ideally you want two days of pre-production for every day of production, right? Um, we, <laughs> well, we, we, you, you never get that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's the sort of Hollywood model, which, you know, it's, it's hard to get, but um, yeah. we, we ended up shooting on this for a, uh, five weeks five five day weeks all right okay so which was which was for me bliss i was like oh my god you know uh, over five weeks of 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 doing nothing but directing you know with a with a 30 person crew and you know two cameras and three production trucks and all this sort of thing it was it was fucking awesome you know i was like yay um but this was a very different shoot to overpass meaning that this because because it not only am I dealing with an ensemble of characters, I mean, there were eight main characters plus a few others that we had to cast here and there um, that, yeah. that obviously I was involved in that bit. Uh, in fact, there are cameos in it by, well, I, I, I put Ralph in the film. It was no dialogue, but just he was so charismatic. I, I thought he can play this one role. And I took two of the three actors from Overpass and put them in small parts as a sort of in-joke okay. for me, an Easter egg thing. And, and what, the you. couple? Uh, no, actually not. It was Max and, and the girl. Uh, unfortunately, oh, okay. the guy uh, who played Nick wasn't available at the time we shot oh, this he was on another project somewhere so oh, okay. um so i managed to get them in it and um but you know this 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 film involved multiple locations both indoors and outdoors okay so there was a lot of locations on this unfortunately i had a, a location manager um yeah as part of the crew that we worked on but one of the things i was really pleased about is um 
you know, the idea of this film, I mean, the, the, these kids, they were all a bit sort of arty and, and they, 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 they were a bit arty and hip or, or a bit, um, you know, university. And, you know, there, there was all this stuff going on. And, and obviously there was, this was all about angst and teenagey stuff and, and coming of age. And I thought, you know what, I really need this to look, I, I need this to, to, to have a bit of a cool factor going on in places. Right? Okay. Oh yeah, especially back in the nineties. That nineties, it was all about the cool, wasn't it? Exactly. So what I what I managed to um, find and secure, and I was delighted about, is there was a, a a bar near the college in Orlando called Java Javas, and it was Jabba Javas, right? And it was okay. and it was a, a a cool coffee bar. Uh, open mic night poetry reading arty fart place yeah um and it had loads of original painted artwork on the walls that you could buy it was one of those right. sort of places so it was oh, like, okay. it was loads of it was dimly lit loads of couches a bar you know they served they served cappuccinos they served out wait a minute wait a minute did you make slacker? <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you were making? You sure it wasn't released? Uh, you sure? You sure somebody they didn't slip it over to um, the director of slacker? Yeah, if only, eh? Um, Richard Linklater. Yeah. And they go, look, look at this. Well, actually, film. I'm glad you said that because I kind of wanted a bit of a Linklatery vibe for this. So anyway, yeah. So I found this. Well, look, I mean, from what you've told me, it sounds like slacker. Yeah. All right. Well, it, it absolutely sounds like Slacker, which would have been a big influence back then because it was uh, 91 when that film yeah, came out. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, um, I wasn't sort of directly um, coming off of that. So I, I found this I found this uh, cool, uh, you know, you know, bar place. And the good thing with it was I said, look, I need this place to be this everyday cafe where this fucking where they hang out where this shit goes on yeah, yeah? and i wanted this <laughs> and i fucking? wanted this place to be it yeah but the, okay. the other cool thing with this is is i wanted as much visual stuff going on as possible and this was the place you could really sort of go to town with lighting i mean they had a light board and you know loads of hung lights and gels and all this sort of thing so you could do some really interesting stuff dop was fucking loving this by the way yeah oh, but the other thing i could get that really helped me was i managed to get a blanket release for all of the artwork on the on the walls oh nice which was nice yeah. because i remember there was one with these weird eyes and i was able to do something where i started on the eyes of the picture and the camera came down on a jib to the eyes of one of the characters and you know and all sorts of transitiony things and whatever like that and i wanted to wow. keep I, i'm i'm kind of feeling a bit general um not generous, uh, jealous of the fact that you had access to all these Well, toys. yeah, I did. And I mean, you, you know, and, and without wanting to toot my horn too much myself, but I, I did actually work fucking hard on this, right? Which is why oh, which is why this whole story I'm telling you is a little bit of a bittersweet story for me, unfortunately, because of how it all turned out. But um yeah. but uh but a great a great lesson none the same. Um so, you know, I managed to get this as a sort of central location that we were having and we managed to film. I was saying like there was one bit where I was like, um, how about, you know, there was this thing where there were these four guys for the four guys in it chatting. 
And I was like, well, this is kind of boring. I said, what about if you four guys were in a band and you were at a jamming session and you're each on an instrument and you have the conversation? I said, you don't need to be able to play. You know, we can fake all that shit. But, you know, you're at a jamming session and, and, and we get. So I was trying to come up with all these things to make this visual and interesting. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, we managed to set up a um, had access to a lot of musicians and managed to set up a in the in the black box theater at the college because obviously i could use anything on campus which was great and i was like well let's look at you know the whole guerrilla filmmakers thing let's look at what i've got access to and what i can use and exploit and sprinkle in the film yeah so you, yeah. you know there, there was there was band equipment and there was a a, a big theater so uh, and we we had round dolly tracks so i was like fucking hell you know we could put the band in the middle of this and go all the way around while they're having these conversations and, and of course the actors loved all this because it was making them look like fucking cool musicians and all this shit right yeah so um so we did that um so we had a few locations sorted and it was it was great because it was one of these one of these scenarios where um basically i would spend the weekends uh organizing my my shot lists and um all of my planning for for the next week and i'd take it a week at a time obviously knowing where i was going all the way through but i'd i yeah. I'd, I'd use the the weekends before each shoot to really focus and and do that and i'd visited all the locations so i i'd 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 you know been been there with the dop and i'd sort of explained what shots that i was thinking of and what we could do and he was totally enthusiastic i mean he was he was you know he's quite a bit older than me um but he understood you, you, you know he could see that i was passionate he could see that i kind of had some inkling of of the craft and un- understood certain things and he, he he liked what i was trying to do about making this this wordy you know um script which could have been you know a master and over the shoulders of loads of people you know sat around yeah. talking and i tried to do something a bit different with it so we did that yeah the other thing you, you try to make it more visual exactly the other thing that was very different to overpass was um as i'd mentioned we shot overpass at night and it was bloody freezing in 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 march <laughs> of florida right by the time we were shooting this this was the height of summer in florida and we were shooting days uh, well i mean right. there were some night shoots but a lot of days in the park and stuff like that so there was lots of sunscreen and mosquito repellent and stuff going on during this <laughs> shoot you know it was it was a fairly you know tough shoot in terms of in terms of that sort of thing but i was trying to get a lot of mileage a lot of bang for the buck um you you know i found some really beautiful locations outdoors where i could where i could film stuff we had to do a little there was one thing where i had to get sort of a stunt advisor involved because one of the characters who can't swim and is set up as not being able to swim has to sort of face his fear and one of the things he does is he goes out onto a lake in a canoe and the canoe capsizes, yeah. So, right, so yeah. again, I, I, I was trying to get some, you know, interesting photography and whatever, of course, being very careful with these new cameras that the college had just invested <laughs> in and whatever, but yeah. filming on a lake and filming in a park and doing all this, doing all this stuff. And, and you know, the shoot, I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it. It went, you know, to plan some weeks and and you know we had the odd days of disasters but those were good things because they made me think on my feet and and learn as a director 
And and one of the things I'm always saying, if somebody gets stuck, you know, when I was teaching, this is why I was saying it was important to have a, a shot list. Even if you don't stick to the shot list, it's important to have a plan, have an idea, have an idea of how, see the film in your head, have an idea of how you want to edit, have an idea of how you're going to transition, because these sort of things can get you out of jail if there's a problem. Right. At the end yeah. of the day, you have to say, what do I need to tell this story? Yeah, there's always shots that you'd like to have. But if the shit hits the fan, what do I need to tell the story? The show must go on. And I remember we all- the other thing, the other thing I'm just going to add yeah. as well is that when you're in the middle of it, you don't have time. It's the thing you you are now there's there's a clock. Oh, yeah. And it's running out and you've got to get the shots or otherwise you have no film or you or that scene doesn't happen in the film because you don't get it. So any planning you should do beforehand because even if as you say if you don't use it at least there's something to fall back on yeah because there's nothing worse than somebody just stand people asking what we're going to do what we're going to do uh i don't know no exactly um, yeah. well there was this one day where we had an apartment it was an apartment scene and it was um it was it, three three of the characters they had this scene in the apartment and i had i had my shot sort of planned and there was you know there was some coverage and there were some overs and you know there was all this sort of stuff going on and unfortunately the the location guy came in in absolute bits and i was like what's wrong and he's like oh oh i don't get it i'm being told we can't shoot here now and we've got to be out of here in you, you, you know within the hour and you know, oh, and all this shit. sort of thing, and and, yeah. and you know, it was a bit of an old shit moment. But I thought, okay, fair enough. So I said to the DOP, "What we'll do then?" Uh, I said, "We'll do this whole scene as a wanna." And I said, right. "What we'll do is, I remembered I was trying to do some clever things with transitioning, yeah." And I remember right, yeah. the scene that ended before this. I had ended up on a glass, right? So I, I okay. put a glass on the counter at one end of this this apartment, right? And I said, so we'll start off on this. And then I set, I asked them to set a piece of curved dolly track. And I said, and we'll end. And I knew the next scene was going to cut to a guy coming through the door. And you had to think, so I said, and we'll end with you. Go. So what I basically did, I said, right, we've got to be out of here in an hour. So I said, let's 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 just light it, you know, so we can go fairly wide. I said, let's set up just one bit of curved track here. I, I said to the actors, right, while they're setting that up, I'm going to block this with you so it makes sense. So you're not talking to each other. So we've got some movement going on in this frame. And by the end of it, you're going to have started over here and end up by the door and go out the door. And that's where we're going to end it. Right. So the DOP yeah. was all on board with this. You know, we had to move. I suggested to the sound guys that because uh, what I want to say about this is even though this technology we had now, you could actually record the sound directly onto the tape. What we decided yeah. to do, because obviously it's part of learning as well in film school, is we still recorded separately to DAT and slated everything just like you would a proper yeah. movie. And the the, the, the the audio that was on the tape was just going to be used as a guide track for rushes and 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 things of that nature, right? So um, yeah, which we do now, which, which yeah. we do with these digital SLRs. Exactly. Is we we never sort of use the onboard camera stuff. We use uh, separately recorded because there's usually no way of getting um, a mixer 
into the camera. Yeah, no, exactly. Unless, of course, you're shooting something like a C100 or above. Exactly. So, but you still still try and keep the sound separate. No, absolutely. So, you know, I I, I, I suggested that we probably got them radio mic'd for this scene because we we weren't going to have time, you know, to sort of deal with oh, boom God, and yeah. shadows and wide and all this sort of stuff. So, so they did that, and I, and I rehearsed with the actors so that the scene made sense and looked right and blocked and and you know. That's what we did. We started on this glass and we cut to the guy in, behind the kitchen bar thing and they were talking and with the camera was moving the whole time and they have this little confab and they end up leaving and we end up on the door as it opens, yeah, and all this sort of right, thing. Yeah. So I had my scene and we were out of there. We didn't piss off the location. We, we're out of there. But essentially it was a, a scene that I had like half a day booked for, you know, with shots yeah. and all these sort of things I was going to do that basically I had to con- – condense into a, a one shot that we we shot within an hour yeah and it worked and and it, and it was and you know everybody was happy but for me this was great learning because this was me yes in at the deep end having to think on my feet having to be mature about it and and real world so instead of instead of losing my fucking rag at the location manager about why hadn't he got the fucking permit and all this i thought it's not even worth that let's just use what we've got and tell the story so Oh yeah, it's it's a good exercise in sort of uh, compromise because sometimes you know you have it sort of all figured out in your brain. You have all these shots that you want to do. You want to sort of do this angle, that angle. But when it comes down to it, to the day, you may only have a short amount of time where you know you you you've only got enough time to get these shots. So you you know you came up with a brilliant way of doing it. Yeah, and also I I don't know about you, but I personally like it when a film does use longer takes you know because then it because you have to do it in an interesting way yes yeah you can do it as a static but you you know you want to sort of move the camera with them and stuff i mean this is the thing with spielberg he's he is kind of like a master of the one yes oh absolutely absolutely that whole jaws thing is amazing (laughs) yeah so but i mean he also knows to shoot other stuff just in case the one is not working that he can cut into yeah. but um no i mean that was a, a brilliant solution to that problem yeah and i mean my whole mantra for this was to try and keep the camera moving as much as possible anyway so if it, it yeah. fitted the the overall image of the film as well the aesthetic if you like so uh you know i was happy and and i knew i could make the transitions work and all this sort of thing so we did that and i mean we shot we shot all sorts of the places and it was a real you know, for me, it was an absolute joy because because I had a crew. I mean, you know, this was a big luxury. I had, you know, 30, 30 people as a crew or whatever, plus, you know, people at the office doing stuff and, book, you know, sorting out locations for the next week. And I had a 25 day shoot. So, I mean, you, you, you know, you know, this this would this was heaven and it would be the, you know, yes, I had to drive one of the trucks but i had to be the first person there anyway so if i drove the generator truck it kind of made sense because yeah. the generator would be on the location ready for us to um you, you know ready for the crew to set up so we could we could have lights and whatever so you, you, you know it, it all made sense and it was it was great and i would turn up and you know i, I i'd have somebody bring me like i'll never forget in the morning i'd turn up and somebody would bring me a black coffee, a banana and a peanut butter bagel. And I was like, fucking hell, I've made it. What the fuck? You know, know, it was great. So, but I got to work, I got to work with these actors, these young actors. Um, It all went 
as I said, we had a few little production problems along the way that we dealt with, and that was fine. Yeah. Um, work, the crew were great. Uh, you know, most of them pulled their weight. The people who were in the key positions really sort of stepped up to the plate and helped me. Um, don't think anybody got too fucked off from from what I can remember, but obviously I, you know, I was I was pretty busy. Um, for me, it yeah. was a joy. Some some days were more stressful than others, depending on the location um and, and and things of that nature but you know there was a lot of variation there was day day yeah. stuff there were indoors there was exterior there was night stuff there was all sorts of and there were a lot of characters and a lot of character changes and you, you, you know I, I had a continuity person a script supervisor so we were keeping all the notes and everything even though we were shooting this on on digital video right everything was treated like a proper production so all of the all of the camera reports related to the tapes and as if it was filmed basically and you know i circled which takes were good and um you know any changes and stuff were noted so you know you know i know i had a film here this is this is this is where it can i ask yeah um so at the end of it how did you feel Oh, I loved it. I'll never forget the last day, um, the last time I had to say action, my heart sank because I was so sad that it was the end. So that's how much I loved it. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I have to say I had the opposite. I was quite relieved it was. Oh, over. really? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, well, well, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that in a future podcast. Oh, right? in- indeed. But I mean, um I also felt exhausted. Oh, as well. I mean, I, I was absolutely fucking yeah. I mean, I was young and and healthy and in good shape and whatever back then. But uh, but yeah, I was I was knackered and um, but but I loved it. And uh, y- you know, it's weird. I've never this is sort of coming out. I mean, I'm sure I've forgotten loads of stuff. This is I've never it's I've never fine. talked about it before. So this is kind of like a first time. It's it's kind of it, it's uh cathartic almost you know it's like to sort of talk about it but the thing is sadly um this is a bittersweet story because what 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 ended up happening ultimately and um you you, you know uh, i don't mean any any bad will against any of these people involved but what happened was um we finished the film uh there was a lot of footage it was um uh you know i i had notes i had i had edit lists i had uh everything ready i had ideas about what to do with grade and what to do with sound and 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 you know all sorts of stuff and of course um you know some months went by uh I ended up my work permit came through and you know I started working and 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 I moved across to to Los Angeles as you do and you know did some work with with Nutter and you know various various things there but all the time I was kind of like on these kids saying um you know what what are your plans then for the post production you know what what are you what are you going to ah, do right. what what's your plan cuz you know they were responsible for that and that was in the contract they'd signed with Valencia and everything yeah and I was like uh you know, um, I, I, who who are we going to find a an editor that we can work with? Um, you know, at this point, I wasn't working. Uh, my internship at Vaughan had finished, so I didn't have access to the Avid that they had there. But I said, you know, I might yeah. be able to do something. You know, did it, and I was very keen to get this finished. You know, so that the uh, the students could see it, and that well, you know, I was hoping it would sort of be the thing to lead me to the next. Um, 
junction in my career, as it were. And I wanted to show Nutter, you know, I'll be honest, I wanted, you know, all this stuff. And what happened was, as I said, it was it was kind of a, a really, you know, it went from a really happy time making the film to then life, you know, and I don't want this whole podcast thing to be a total downer, but um, basically, uh, my, you know, you know, we're, we're moving forward like a, a year had passed. Yeah. My, my work visa was coming to an end. Um, I, yeah. I'd obviously tried the sort of Hollywood lawyer thing to try and get a new permit. So that was all coming to the, to an end. So I had to leave, you know, what I was doing with, with it, Paramount, with Nutter and whatever. And, um, come back so I, I i came back to florida where a lot of my stuff was still in storage and um, right. uh the tapes uh the footage was still sat at at um valencia it was still in there it oh, was right. still in their uh, vault at valencia oh shit so, and i said so I, I said well i'm gonna have to you know go to go back to england um you know why why don't i take this footage with me you know why don't we get it shipped back to england and when i'm in england i'll see if i can find a uh editor or something over in the uk that we can get this finished with now this this was where and i don't know why but where the relationship with with this group of a cer certainly a couple of this group of a anyway yeah changed because they were like their view on it and i kind of get it i suppose was oh shit this guy's about to you know leave the country and go back over to to the uk and uh you know we we've we've invested whatever it was 10 let's say ten thousand dollars for argument's sake in this film you know which is it's there on those tapes if 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 he leaves with those tapes then he's leaving with our film and we might never see it again. So they said, no, 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 we're going to come to the college and, and collect the tapes. So I was right. like, okay. So I said, no, nah, and I, you know, at the end of the day, this was their property. And my, my, my part of the contract was only to come in and direct it. It wasn't like I had like final cut or any, anything like that. I mean, I didn't get, obviously I didn't get paid to do this. Uh, I took it as an opportunity and a privilege to get to what i mean technically i got paid for driving the trucks or whatever but you know i wasn't getting paid to make this film and you know and i was a bit naive well i still am to a certain extent about contracts and rights and all that sort of shit yeah and um so when they when they came i said not all of them showed up see the thing is that the eight of them had been involved in everything right plus the yeah. dop the dad but when it came to collecting the film only a couple of them came and I said, oh, um, oh right. so I said, look, uh, you know, I'm still here for a little while. Are we going to have a, uh, a meeting, a, a com conversation about this? Because, you know, time is time has moved on a bit. And um, I said, you know, I know Ralph would probably be keen to have a debrief on this and, uh, you know, want to know sort of what the next step is. Uh, you know, and they said, well, you know, at the end of the day, this is our film, Keith. You know, you directed it and great. We're, we're grateful. But you know, you do, you don't own these tapes, and I'm and I'm saying, well, I'm not saying I own the tapes. I'm saying that um, I want to get the film finished, and I'm happy to, you know, see that through. I'm telling you now that I will. I'm about getting things finished. I will I will do this for you. You know, 
uh, and I said, well, is there any way we can we can make copies of the tapes and I'll take the copies and do like a sort of rough cut or something and get you an edit decision list back or anything like that? And they said, oh, you know, no, we, we, we really have no money now. We, we, we spent all of our money on the production. And, you know, it's a fatal mistake that everybody makes still. We left no yeah. money for post-production or, or distribution or festivals or anything. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, and I sort of warned them at the beginning. I was a bit annoyed because in the early conversations, I'd said all this stuff, you know, the big, the yes. big know all that yeah. I am. Yeah. But I, I'd sort of said all this stuff to them. And I was like, okay, you know. So it all got a bit weird, really, because I, I had to leave the country, which, you know, I'm not going to go into too much personal stuff about that. But, you know, this was a big deal for me. And it was, it was a, 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 a real, a real anti-climax really to sort of trying to go and follow the American dream. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd done everything by the book, but sadly that was the law and, you know, I, I, I had to go. Um, but I directed this feature, which, you know, I'd spent five weeks on uh, actually uh, of my life on set, but then, you know, another four or five weeks or a couple of months or whatever, beforehand trying to get the deal done with Valencia and pitching to the guys and planning and getting locations and you know doing a lot of work and I had a lot of help I'm not going to say it was all me 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 you know um and again, but these guys you know I was like well what's going to happen with it now so they said oh you know well we'll stay in touch and and I gave them I had all of my I gave them copies of all of my director's notes and my edit decision notes and the continuity right. sheets or the script supervision stuff everything so i said look you've got there's no reshoots needed you've got everything here you can tell this story here's my noted script you know annotated script um here here are the script supervision notes you know th th this is this is ready to be edited this can be done you know yeah. So they were like, yeah. okay, so they, they went. And then of course I moved back to England. And um you have to remember this was this was, you know, uh well two year two thousand or two thousand one, whatever. And um you know, you, you know, what we're doing now recording this podcast, you know, we didn't have Skype and and FaceTime and you know, all these great things that we've got now. Yeah. So in terms of keeping in touch with them, it was it was largely uh an expensive international phone call or, you know, the odd email, you know, that would get read at some point. Not again, not to the yeah. extent that we're reading them on our phones on an hourly <laughs> basis and all this shit now, you know. So yeah. it's a different time. Oh, yeah. You know, hard to get hold of these guys because um you, you, you know, they were either uh, working or or still studying and, and you, you know, it was really busy. So um, it was pretty hard to keep in touch with them uh, once I'd moved back to England. And of course, you, you know, there were eight of them. So uh, I used one of the guys. He sort of kept in touch with me and we had international phone calls um, probably for about a another six months or so uh it was always the same news it was always well you know we're all working we're trying to get some money together so that we can <clears throat> get an editor on board and and you know start looking at post-production and things like that 
but uh, eventually those those calls stopped and um you know i lost touch with these guys uh completely um they did they did at one point send me a again after me sort of hounding them uh for this they did send me a vhs uh tape um which was a trailer that that somebody had put together for it um and you know even that was was massively disappointing because it 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 was a trailer that uh didn't really say much about what the film was about uh i mean don't get me wrong i don't like trailers that 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 sort of give away everything uh like some of our uh, summer blockbusters <laughs> oh, do sometimes God. which drives me nuts yeah but, um, especially this summer exactly but uh but y- y- you know th- this really didn't sort of give a feel for the film or anything um it, it you know it th- there were some beautiful shots in it i mean i was very happy about how some of the shots looked but it was largely just sort of shots of each character with some music over the top and you, you know shots of the locations and stuff but did didn't really tell you much and of course i mean you know i i don't i don't completely blame these guys cuz i i just think they just didn't know but nowhere on there was there any credit of um, you know, Valencia College, uh, you know, the film program that, that, that basically allowed them to, to get this done. There was no credit for Ralph, you, you know, and the thing that w- was a real insult, uh, really, I mean, I, I guess I'm letting ego go because my name is nothing. But at the very end, it said a film by food stamp productions which was their production company name and i sort of thought to myself really you know so i mean i have to dig i've probably got this tape somewhere um in a a box somewhere i I guess i should dig it out and digitize it at some point but um so do you wish you'd taken those tapes now well you know i mean you know i was i guess young and naive at the time and i was trying to do the right thing uh at the end of the day they had paid for this production, you know, I mean, okay, I'd got them a lot of free stuff, obviously, but they, they paid for the production and it was their property, um, you know, to, to a certain point of view, obviously the, the me having to fairly abruptly leave America, um, was a bit of a surprise. I mean, you know, it was a surprise to me. So it was probably a surprise to them. I, 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 you know, again, naively thought that, um, that I could extend my my work permit and stay out there, uh, which was Plan A. Um, Keith, looking back on it now, do you wish you had taken the tapes? Well, yeah, I mean, simply because the the, the and the reason you, you know, like I said, um, uh, this is the first time I've ever really talked about this in 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 in, uh, in those years that have gone by since is because. Um, you, you know, I'm very much one for. In fact, I get very annoyed. Um, with with uh people who don't sort of finish or filmmakers that that you know because i've worked on dozens over the years of films that you never ever see anything of uh not even a, sometimes not even a rough cut you know you I, see I know I, me too me too and 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 i'm a big you, you know all my shorts uh right from overpass um right the way up to date i always make sure you, you know get finished and get and get copies to to the cast and crew and get a screening somewhere i've been a bit you know i am rubbish with um 
with festivals and, and stuff like that. That's an area that um, that I've definitely got to improve at. I've, I've obviously had a stab at it, but I'm not very good at that. Yeah, well, um, I mean, just sort of briefly talking about the festival thing. I mean, I find that, you know, you, you, you start off with a lot of enthusiasm and you send it out to all, all over the place and then you get into none. And yes. Then, and that kind of, it does deflate your bubble. And the fact that you probably had to pay for most of them to be I was going to say, it's expensive. Absolutely. Very expensive. An expensive. And it gets process. even more expensive if it's a feature film. Yeah. And you you just find that it's um, a lot of the festivals pick up films that, you know, are by known filmmakers who are a studio behind them or friends with the festival or they have a star in it or, you know, there's all these sort of different... It's, it's, sometimes there are really weird factors why your film won't get picked, Yeah, you know? And it, it could be like you have, you've ticked every box. You've got somebody famous in there. You're known by the festival and it just happens the film you make doesn't fit their program. It's just, it's really one of these weird things. So when a film is like a, a festival darling, it's, you know, it's only like one out of a thousand that ever happens. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, you know, to answer your question, um, yes, of, of course, I would love to, um, I would love to have something to show for this because, you, you, you know, there was definitely a film there uh, whether, you know, I wouldn't be arrogant enough to say whether it was a good film or not, but there was a film there. I, I you know, I did all my work as a director, meaning um, I had viewed all of the uh, rushes or, or dailies, as they tend to call them in the US, um, for, for everything we shot every day. You know, um, that's part of the director's job. And I'd gone through it and there was enough material and, and, and takes to tell that story. So um, I know they had a completed film there. There wasn't a need for any sort of uh, additional reshoots or, or, or anything like that. Everything, everything sort of worked, you know, in so much as it did. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the sad thing is that that's, you know, I, I just think of it now that uh, though the, it sat somewhere on obsolete, an obsolete medium <laughs> uh, degrading and um you, you know never to see the light of day and i mean the sad thing is the window is missed now as well because it was a film you know very much of its time um so you know we were talking you know mobile phones with antennas and keypads <laughs> and and, and yes. computers with with chunky screens and and things of that nature so i mean it's not like oh it could suddenly get you know if by some miracle those guys heard this podcast and uh and, and you know, we 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 suddenly revived it or anything. Um, you you know, that's pretty unlikely. And I mean, I've I've tried to find these guys. Um, you know, if if I Google the everyday film, I find a film by Michael Winterbottom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and if I Google food stamp productions, that's a music production company that specialise in rap and hip hop. So so um so so so, so you know that. They're not out there. And, you know, obviously these guys now would be in, in their 30s, I guess, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I hope they've all obviously um, graduated and got lives and got careers and, and got married and had families and, and are happy, you know. But uh, <laughs> but sadly, and, and the other thing is, obviously, because because I was caught a little bit by surprise when they um, when they came to collect the footage and. Mm. I gave over all my notes and everything. 
Yeah. I don't have any of that. So literally the only thing I've got, apart from this, you know, somewhere on a VHS, this this not very good trailer that they sent me uh, that doesn't even have my name on it. But, um, you, you know, the only other thing I've got is is fortunately the photographer, the on-set photographer who um, who was one of the students at the college did give me a copy of the of the prints of the photographs. Obviously, oh, this was okay. filmed so that they're, they're just prints of this. And somewhere at home, you know, I, I've got behind the scenes photos from all this stuff um, and, you know, sort of cast and crew photos and all that. But, the, but that's it, you know. Um, and the reason I don't mention it, you know, I know you, you've said to me, why don't you talk about this? Why don't you plug this? Is because, you, you know, it, it could to anyone else, anyone who doesn't know me or whatever, just sound like total bullshit on my part because there isn't there isn't a finished product. There isn't a film. Uh, which is very sad. Um, you know, I got to experience obviously the 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 pre-production and the production of this, but but sadly, you know, no post was done on it at all. And um, uh, you, you know, I mean, I, I I look back the things I took from it. Um, I mean, it was a learning experience. I was very fortunate. I mean, I got to. I've never ever had the luxury of the time and uh, resources that I had for this. You know, I, I had 25 days of, of, of shooting, um, which is a lot compared to what I've been used to on anything else. Okay, we had a, there were a lot of locations and logistics and, and obviously characters in this film, so it was still, you know, there's never enough time, is there? So we were still pushed, but you know, I had the luxury of, of, of that time. I also had the luxury of a, you know, 30-person crew, um, production trucks, generators, you know, HMI lights, uh, you know, all, all, all of that good stuff. So, you know, you know, I had the experience of working like a, a director that's, that, that, that's on a, well, almost a small, you know, independent Hollywood production or whatever, <laughs> you know, so... I value that. When I say you should, you know, not uh, when I say talk about it, I don't mean like, you know, um, like we're talking about now, but I mean, you, sh you should have it on your CV. You know, you directed a feature film and there's, uh, we don't know many people who have, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I know there isn't a finished product, but you still directed the feature film. What happened to it wasn't your fault. It was down to the guys who were running the production they could have finished the film and they decided not to for whatever reasons. Well, they were young, they were young and naive and, and you know, it was, it was, I mean, I, I felt bad for the college um, and for Ralph because, okay, we had a lot of shorts and whatever that we never yeah. ever saw, but most of the features, film, yeah. yeah, most of the features got finished and got a screening and even got some form of distribution. Um, yeah. And, you know, sadly, that crew that had been, you know, the guys and girls on that crew that had helped me on uh, my first, you know, short overpass and obviously worked very hard on this for me, or most of them worked hard anyway. Um, you know, they, they never got to see, well, they, they got the learning experience, but that was where that ended. And uh, obviously, Ralph, you, you know, it was a, another one that um, he made happen. But 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 didn't you know get screened at the Valencia Film Festival or anything like that? So yeah, uh, when I, which I would have obviously loved, oh, yeah. yeah, big time. But um, but you know, I got to learn a lot on it. Um, 
And, uh, you, you know, it, it was, I mean, everything that sort of followed, it was a little bit of a, uh, again, I don't want to be too much of a downer on these podcasts, but it was a, a bittersweet time in, in my life because, you know, that particular era, that particular chapter ended for me. I came back to the UK. Um, you know, I've been struggling ever since <laughs> I came back to the UK. It took me some years to, to, uh, to sort of get on. And, you know, I went back to studying and I started studying, you know, directing and producing. And I studied, um, you know, screenwriting and film theories. And I, I, you know, I carried on and of course acting and, and, you know, things of that nature, but it, it, it took me, uh, a long while, you know, some years before I actually decided to direct something again. And obviously everything I've done has been in the most part self-funded on, on, on extremely small budgets. So with very little time or money or resources like I had back then, you know, they, they've all been sort of very small, um, you, you know, half a dozen size crews, <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and, and things of that nature. So it, it, it's it's been very different, but you know I've obviously followed my mantra and made sure that um, that everything that I have done and got involved in on the on the creative side like that has been finished. And um, you, you know, and, and and you know, I, I, you say about envy, Simon. I mean, I'm I'm envious of you. Your your um your feature that you made. I know, I know you've been through this, which I'm sure we'll get onto in future podcasts. But at the end of the day, you've got, in fact, I have a copy of it. You've got a DVD, you, you know, with the film on and, and extras and all this sort of thing. You've got it available on demand, you, you, you know, and that's what I consider an achievement would be having that. The fact that, as I said, I've got a, a, um, a few old yeah. photographs from behind the scenes <laughs> and, 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 a, and a trailer that doesn't have my name on it, you know, yeah. that I didn't edit. Well, um, I, I will say I'd love <laughs> to see these photographs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to dig them out at some point. Yeah. As I said, they're, they're all, I've got nothing digital. It's all, uh, it's all old school analog. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was that, but it was, um, you know, uh, as I said, the actual production of it itself, you know, it had its ups and downs like any production does. And but and the most part, I just have happy memories about that because I really got to enjoy, you know, trying to figure out how to tell this story because it wasn't my story. It was their story. And I had to make it, um, you know, work and make it cinematic. And uh, one of the things I mean, you, you know, no, I'm a bit of a self-deprecating guy. I know on on these podcasts and stuff, and I used to get told off about this quite a bit. And I don't, I, I don't tend to sort of blow. Who my tells own. you off? Oh, ex-girlfriends used to get really annoyed with me about this. But oh, anyway, okay. uh, <laughs> I, I won't say any more. You know who I am. Yeah, I, I know, um, I know. But uh, but I, uh, you know, one thing I will blow my trumpet on because this this is always stuck with me is that is the director of photography on this, who obviously was a lot older than me at the time and, um, you know, had worked on a lot of stuff, even though he'd not sort of done anything particularly commercial, um, and well known, you, you know, he definitely knew his craft and had been on a lot of shoots. He, he said to me, uh, at the end of it through no prompting from me, I wasn't fishing or anything. He said to me, I have to say for, for a young, and he called me a first time director. I mean, it was the first feature. Yeah. 
first time director, I was one of the most organized and imaginative guys he'd have ever worked with. And he said, you knew, I knew what I wanted and I had a vision and, uh, you know, I took that as a massive compliment and, um, you, you, you know, uh, this, this is the, th and you know, I'd done my homework. I had worked hard on this and this is what I, what I don't get with some directors that I've worked with is, you know, not on a professional level, but on a sort of, um, uh, you, you know, independent film level is, is, you know, I know there's different types of director and, and we all talk about, you know, the, the, the theory of directing three films, you know, one when you're planning, whatever. But but yeah, but no, I, I always I always get I always get uh, kind of pissed off when when the director doesn't know know what they're doing, you know, hadn't kind of planned anything or, or, or sort of edited it in their head or used any imagination. And, and you know, I don't get it because to me, that's that's what directing is, you know. So. Yeah, there's there's some bad editors. Uh, sorry, bad editors, bad directors out there, you know. And it's you know you, you at the end of the day, if, if they're not prepared, I mean, I, there's, there's some guys who you know they let the crew do everything and just sort of you know take all the glory. And there's other guys who you know they come on the set and you go right, what do you want to do? Uh and er is not what you want to hear. You want to hear right. Well, we'll start with a wide shot, and we'll, you know, uh, block the actors, and you know, you have to have a plan. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, those people they're going to fall by the wayside. Well, I, th I think the idea, you know, I think a lot of people sort of sort of fancy themselves as directors or whatever out there, um, you know, not don't necessarily realise exactly how much work it is because that that that's that's the real heartbreak about about this film yeah. was the fact that um i have nothing to show for it i have you know knowledge and experience and things i learned from it but i have nothing to show for it yet in terms of the prepping and the production i mean i worked my bloody ass off you know i i you know these were 20 hour days for me by the time i'd you know um organize things in the morning and check footage in the evening and uh, you, you, you know and obviously was prepping at the weekend for the next uh week shoot and all this sort of thing and you, you know that is the job and and it doesn't end there i mean obviously i was prepared to work hard in the post-production phase as well but um you know sadly uh never, never got that and yes yeah. you know in hindsight I wish I'd just gone ahead and got all the tapes copied and brought them back to England and found an editor and bloody done something with it. Yes, of course I do. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's a, a good point to finish. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean I could witter on for ages about this. There's a lot of stories <laughs> involved around it, but essentially that 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 is what happens, at least from my my memory and my recollection of it, which um you, you know, it, it's 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 way in the past now. Yeah, but I haven't given up. I haven't given up. I'm still here, you know, because it sounds. I don't want to end it on a negative. Sorry, I haven't. You know, that was one <laughs> of those things that didn't end up with a result and didn't end up. But I haven't given up, and I'm still, still writing and and directing and and you know trying to be creative even now. So even as we speak, I'm about to finish this podcast and um, begin writing a uh, a first draft of a feature script that um is from an idea that mike tack 
uh, pitch to me that that, that that I'm working on with him. So there you go. I haven't given up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. I, I've, I was going to sort of say uh, bef- before we do the usual uh, ending sort of where can you find us stuff um, that, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have setbacks. All of us. All of us have, you know, been on productions um, and it's gone wrong or it's, it's you know, you never see a finished product or any of that stuff. And and the thing, the lesson to learn from this is just keep going. It, yeah, you know, just it, it hurts and it's really annoying and it just makes you lose faith in in human beings. But, you know, you have to get back on the, the bike and keep going. Because then, you know, that's that's what defines people is the fact that you're s- still there and you're still doing it, uh, you know, even because of these setbacks. Mm. Well, it really is my lifeblood. I mean, you know, when I'm not watching films, I'm trying to make them. <laughs> so, or thinking about them or talking on podcasts about them. So there you go. <laughs> Indeed. So, Keith, how can we find your work? Right. Or if you want to find my other work, um, if you go to British Isles, that's E-Y-L-E-S on YouTube, um, I have six short films that have been made and completed on there for your viewing (laughs) pleasure or not. And uh, feel free to like, comment, share, whatever you like. But uh, that's how you can reach me. And uh, you can find uh, all of my completed work uh, on independentrunnings.com. And... um, I also have a YouTube channel, uh, which is Independent Runnings. Uh, you can also follow the show on Facebook at Movie Heaven, Movie Hell. Uh, please go on there. Give us a like. We also have a Twitter page, uh, which is at Movie Heaven Hell. Uh, do certainly follow us there. And, um, yeah, that's uh, that's our podcast extra for this week. Um, join us uh, next week for, um, for the letter J. Indeed. And thank you for letting me share, Simon. You're welcome.